Hey everyone, welcome to Citizens First Podcast. My name is Jojo. In this episode, I am going to be talking to Francis. He's a small business owner of Cloud Forest Coffee here in Ottawa. And he's going to be talking about how his business has been dealing with the pandemic. And also his origin story and how he got started. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please follow this podcast. I would be grateful if you did. Thank you. So, okay. Um, it's been it's been a while since uh, I spoke to you. Uh, and the last time I spoke to you, Francis, was back in 20, was it 2017? I, I think so at Arboretum Festival, right? Yeah, at the music festival, and uh, I uh, I love the coffee, man. I love the coffee. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So you were there and um, helping out with the with the vendors and everything, and then you brought your own stuff there. And uh, how did you even get that gig, by the way? How did you? Um, that was actually uh, a friend of mine was one of the organizers of Arboretum Festival. So, okay. yeah, it was, um, it was Matt Monroe's girlfriend, because uh, I, I went to school with Matt Monroe. Okay. And uh, I'm trying to remember her name right now, but she was, she was one of the organizers and she hooked me up with that gig. And now I'm going to be embarrassed if she listens to this and I can't remember her name right now. It's okay, because I don't even know who Matt wait i should know matt monroe matt is is he yeah he's the guy who uh is that, is that his family's farm right it was that uh was that him or no no not that one no okay okay um, <laughs> see there you go um <laughs> i i don't there's so many people that day man i was meeting so many there's a lot of people yeah I, but yeah i got <laughs> i got hooked up with that gig because uh one, because the organizer already knew and appreciated our coffee and we actually had been at the Arboretum Festival the year before when it was at City Hall as well. Oh, you were there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you got tight connections. And so they brought you in. And I think that was like perfect for you to be there just because like, yeah, we got the food, we got the, all the, all the stuff that people need at a music festival, right? You got drinks and everything, but coffee, it, like for the next mornings like it's important it's important it's important i remember the staff was like oh man <laughs> like they needed coffee like you you save you save many lives you save many yeah lives. well you know i'm i'm lucky because in my you know for my work i get to make people happy because like what what makes people happy like coffee in the morning you know yeah and i and i saw that people were collaborating they were you know just laughing and having fun and and yeah. it, it definitely made everything a lot more smoother when you have people who are just less cranky. So absolutely, yeah. And I, and, and, I sorry, go ahead. Oh, it was just that was a really, uh, really nice festival, and I liked that it was on a farm, and you could even like go and pick berries right there from the farm. That was a, like a very unique and cool festival. Yeah, that was um, Operatum uh, Music Festival. I they didn't have a festival last year, but. Hopefully in the future they will have another one. And yeah. it was at was it Rito no Pinewood. Yeah, I drove by that farm the other day actually. Yeah, it's oh. yeah, it's a nice property. Beautiful mm -hmm. farm. My god. I haven't been there since since that music festival. And that was yeah, I, I love I love that music festival. I love <laughs> I love 
I just loved seeing people and meeting new people and just kind of, I, I was, I don't know, I was, I was in my own kind of world, but meeting you was definitely a, one of the cool things uh, too, because I, I remember you making me uh, coffee from uh, Cloud Forest Coffee, right? Yeah, from Cloud, yeah, from that, the Cloud Forest. That was really good. Uh, <laughs> I, lo- I loved helping you too as well. I loved, I loved, well, and, yeah. and you saved us. You saved us. Cause I, I remember I was working there by myself and then when we were getting busy, you kind of just were like, Hey, you need a hand and you just kind of hop, hop behind the station and, <laughs> and boom, we, we got the job done. Yeah. You were by, we, you weren't alone. You had another person there. I just, yeah. I did have briefly have someone else there, right? Yeah. You I did. don't remember. I know you did. He, he, he was helping you for a little bit. I just, I don't remember his name, but he, I, I think it's because I didn't really introduce myself, but yeah. he, he was helping you for a little bit. And, and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that I got to do that. And I got to see how your coffee tastes and everything. And yeah. yeah, It's really cool in a, in a, in a kind of festival atmosphere like that too. It's like, if people see that there's, you know, some people need a hand. Like, for example, if you see that the person serving coffee needs a hand, usually people will just be like, hey, do you want me to help out? And they'll just kind of hop on board where it's, you wouldn't get that kind of collaboration if you're just selling in the city necessarily. Yeah. So festivals, you know, for sure, from your experience, people do tend to help more, right? So Absolutely. Like that, you're not the only one who saw me struggling and then decided <laughs> to hop in and help. <laughs> That's yeah. happened at another festival too that we go to called eclipse eclipse oh i think which is uh, that's an electronic festival uh like kind of out by wakefield area oh okay and that happens every year every it's actually originally it was supposed to happen every second year every second year um and it was supposed to happen this summer but obviously due to covid it's been it's been postponed till next summer right right and obviously every other festival or concert yeah. it's they've been postponed for sure yeah essentially every single one of them every, yeah. every single one of them and um so how have you been like honestly how have you been doing man like i i miss you i do talk to you on social media on instagram sometimes and i do yeah and um i'm just curious to see how you've been doing since this whole pandemic yeah. for small businesses right yeah um we've been really fortunate um so for example there's a couple decisions that we made um that that allowed us to kind of um pivot and kind of roll and be flexible with this with this current situation um like for example we were actually thinking really hard about opening a cafe slash bakery in conjunction with another local business before all this happened and we decided not to based on just maybe like you know paying commercial rent is expensive and it's it's always a gamble um on whether that's going to work out for you and i think the timing would have been really tough if we had decided to do that just before all of this happened um but since we decided not to do that and right now we still we've been able to keep roasting coffee coffee is considered considered an essential service um, so even during the lockdown, we were able to continue delivering coffee to local businesses and even directly to people's homes, like through our website. We saw like a 2000% increase on our online sales in the month of March. Oh my. 
um, which is, it sounds more impressive than it is because like not that many people were ordering uh, before that, but it just, it does show the, the growth of people buying online and wanting to get the local products that they love still, even during like really challenging times. Where, where did you get, where do you get your coffee beans usually? So we source all of our coffee directly from a small farmer's cooperative in Ecuador. And I work directly with the farmers. I've been there four times and we just once a year organize uh, to purchase like one shipping container from this cooperative. Oh. Um, and so that the reason we have that model is like we started the, the business in order to help this specific farmers cooperative move as much of their coffee as possible. And we wanted to really open up a new market for them in Canada. So although it's tempting to like diversify and offer many different kinds of coffee, like most specialty coffee roasters do, we, in order to have like the largest impact as possible in one area, we, we find right now we, we're just going to continue doubling down on helping this one cooperative where we can actually over time have a, a substantial impact. Wow. And how long have you been doing this for? Believe it or not, it's been five years. Damn. It's, it, I, it feels crazy to say that because it, it doesn't feel that long. <laughs> um, yeah, in, two, in 2014, I got to be part of a program that the Ontario government was offering, um, which was called Ontario Self-Employment Benefit. And it was a program geared towards giving people a little bit of um, startup money to start a business and then coaching them through the process. Wow. So that's, that was, that's awesome. That was a really positive program um, that unfortunately was, it was discontinued um, once, once the liberal, uh, like once the liberals were out of power in Ontario, the conservatives didn't want to continue doing that um, program. So conservatives didn't want to continue with the program. No, um yeah it was it was i guess it was too expensive or something they it, it, but the program got cut which I, which was really unfortunate because mm. just just in the course that i did i know several other local entrepreneurs that are still self-employed and now even generating jobs for other people because of this program so that was always um yeah i thought it was unfortunate that but these things happen you know with with um with cuts and spending and, and whatnot yeah. I'm just a little bit surprised by that because you would think the conservative uh, party would be advocating for entrepreneurship and, you know, and doing all that, right? Because it helps small businesses. And I think that's their, I think like some of that's most of their, some of their base too as well, right? People. Yeah. I'm actually just Googling this because I don't want to give people bad information. Uh, so like the OSEB was discontinued in 2016. Um, so I was just, I don't know if that was the Ontario's or the Conservatives in 2016. Um, but I don't want to say that that was the Conservatives. Let me check that <laughs> no, I mean, good idea. I mean, good idea to search that up. Let me, what's the name of the program? Oh, you said it was the... It was OSEB. O-S-E-B. Okay, so you know what? Um, I was wrong. It was the, it was the Liberals under That's Kathleen. Cool. Right. under Kathleen Wynne, who discontinued it. Oh, too bad. So I can't blame that one on the conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he'd be like, hey, we want that. We, we, that's, our, that's our initiative. 
Yeah. Um, no, but that's. But they that, could start it back up. I guess maybe we should. Maybe we should like, you know, write them some letters, get them to start. I think you know this is, this moment. It, it could be. It could be helpful to have more people switching to be self-employed as more people are getting laid off. Unfortunately. That's a good um, point. But of course, it's um, it's not possible to start a business without money. I think that's the that's some kind of a, a like a myth of being able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of style. But like no matter what business you start, there's going to be initial investments, and there's going to be a period of time when you start when you're not making any money. So, so yeah, go ahead. Oh, that's why it's important to have like government grants that could kind of you know give give someone six months or so where they could they could have their basic income covered where they can kind of build their business to try and get it to a point where they could actually live off of it yeah well that's that's a little bit of uh socialism components yeah. there a little bit with the government putting in some programs to help individuals pursue some kind of uh you know capital right and uh, a lot of people may disagree with that notion but personally i think it's a good idea i think yeah. it's good to build the economy by helping individuals if they use that uh, program uh, to their advantage to help build the economy i think that's definitely a, a good good strategy from our government if they do that um, yeah so yeah and i think you made a really cool point about having uh, to find ways to make yourself employed or self-employed because all this stuff is happening. You know, people are getting laid off, as you were saying. Um, it's it's kind of like, it's really interesting because the small businesses is hurting really bad. And a lot of people I find that are looking at small businesses as like, okay, we need to support these businesses, not the chains because the chains can like find ways to keep themselves, you know, above, like they can, they can still be uh, working, but yeah. the small businesses are hurting really bad. And I think that's definitely something that the, the pandemic has revealed, right? Some businesses don't do really well. Like you see the exposure of businesses just collapsing and you're like mm -hmm. very linear kind of way of doing business, perhaps, why that that this has happened to them unfortunately but um what do you think do you think um people are seeing and feeling more empathetic towards small businesses during this time around uh, that that's a good question um i i think they are i think th there's two things happening at once once like uh, like one factor is that undeniably the whole covid thing and the whole quarantine there was a huge transfer of wealth from small businesses to large businesses so for example like the amazons and the walmarts of the world they they had record profits of course like you can look into that obviously uh, jeff bezos added another like you know how many billions to his net worth and at the same time, small businesses, like you said, were suffering the most. So that was one thing that was happening. And then simultaneously, you have um, almost like a counter current going the other way, 
with people uh, working really hard to try and support their small businesses to keep them afloat. Like people doing the online ordering and stuff through websites that might not, like, let's be honest, it might not be that convenient to like, for it, it's a shift in people's minds to have to order, for example, like cookies from a bakery and then pick them up the next week and order them online. Like, but, but they do those sorts of things because they do value the small businesses and they want to see them survive. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it would be naive to think that people are going to come out of the woodwork to, to ensure that small businesses are going to thrive. It, it, I want to see that happen, but it does seem like the trend is, is that big businesses are thriving and little businesses are still hurting. Yeah, I did see a report like a headline saying that look at how many businesses have, you know, garnered so much money. Like, look how much they accumulated yeah. uh, during the pandemic. And that's the big businesses, not small businesses like, uh, like for, for you guys, you know, yeah. Cloudforce Coffee or. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and for example, like one interesting perspective that I have is since I work with a lot of other small businesses, like all of the, all of the businesses in Ottawa and Gatineau that sell our coffee are small independently owned businesses. So I get to chat with the employees and with the owners to, to like see how things are doing. And I would say like across the board, sales are down for, for almost everyone, hmm. except, except for the month of March where people were kind of like stocking up on, on food and stuff. Right. That was like, that was like for some businesses a very good month, but then the months of April and May were, were, were pretty tough for a lot of small businesses. Yeah. That's something that, um, yeah, just thinking about it now, like you talking about that is making me think like, yeah, that makes sense. Like a lot of people were buying a lot of things, like the, the whole scared, uh, you know, nervousness, the, the reality of this pandemic, what, what's going to happen, right? So, like, in some ways, when people are scared, help, the economy grows in a way, because there's so many people buying a lot of food and products, and they're bulking up, like you said, and that obviously is very, you know, and you know who kind of controls that? I feel like news, and I feel like, yeah. I feel like um, the WHO organization or CDC, they, um, in some ways, they can kind of trend the the way how things are going by saying, hey, don't go out or, hey, if you do this, this is going to happen. So people don't go out and then they don't buy things. And then, you know, but now because our government in our, our uh, province and nationwide, uh, things are slowly opening back up. So how's, how has that been affecting you guys? Things are opening up. Yeah, so we're, yeah, we are finally getting to that moment where things are opening back up. Um, and so we have been now doing, we're, we're going back to farmer's markets starting in a week or two. Um, and we'll be able to do our like mobile pop-ups. Like normally we would just, we have like a bike cart and we would take it and set up somewhere and then and sell like iced coffees and espressos and lattes. And mm -hmm. so now we'll, we'll be able to start that again. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good thing. 
Um, there's also the side thing uh, is also we're supposed to be doing like and every business is being told to do social distancing guidelines. Right. So that, that will be interesting. That's kind of something we have to adapt to. Like, for example, our, we have like a booth at a farmer's market. Now I like, we're supposed to have like, we have, we have to put like red tape on the floor and hang the plexiglass. Um, you know, the, basically the kind of measures that you're seeing everywhere, any business you go to now is they have to follow these social distancing guidelines. Do you think that's going to hurt the way business runs in a way? Because, like, do you think that people are going to be fed up by all this kind of social distancing and, you know, measures to keep to keep safe with all this? Or would that hurt you? Does that how does that make you feel when you have all this stuff going on, like all these procedures? Do you feel kind of like, oh, no, like, (laughs) like I. I understand the the reasoning behind it and I can see why this approach is being taken. But like, of course, I, I think it has huge impacts on certain businesses more than others. You know, like I I would say businesses that rely on large amounts of people coming and going, this is pretty difficult for them. Um, Like the, the, the few examples that come to mind are like, for example, there's smaller stores like um, Marche Hintenberg. That's like a, just a small neighborhood grocery store. And before this all happened, they used to have about 20 people in their store at a time, you know, like 20 people shopping at a time or so. And now the maximum they're allowed to have in their store time is four people. So they have to have allow four people in at a time let those people shop and then go and then let the next four people in line from outside. That's obviously hurting their numbers a lot. Um, and another example that I can think of right off my head is cafes. Like this is going to really for an indefinite amount of time, like cafe culture as we know it has, has been put on pause because cafes just rely on, you know, pretty much like swarms of people coming and going because the whole business model is like people spend maybe like four or five dollars at a time like a coffee and a muffin or something um so those businesses rely on like having hundreds of transactions throughout the day and that's hard to implement at the same time as the social distancing guidelines um and then the last example i would say is um like you know bazaars like have you been to a bazaar bazaaro like a bazaar like an a a market where they sell it yeah yeah so like things like that um are going to be i don't really understand how that's going to work how you're going to have businesses like that function that again just rely on like lots of people coming and going kind of like a festive atmosphere that's that this is why i'm a little confused with the whole um the at the market right yeah i don't know how that's gonna happen for ottawa like because you said you're yeah i don't i don't know and there's gonna be like are there gonna be bylaw officers there like are they gonna be walking around or on their bicycle going hey hey, keep your distance or only you know a few people at a time or would they barricade 
like the promoter of byward market and have few people come in and then like they do their own kind of shop i don't know how they're gonna yeah do those those are good questions i don't know if they'll what they'll do for enforcement um i think honestly it's gonna be pretty like so unfortunately i feel like this is a very divisive issue for society because you basically have two camps of people i mean it's obviously it's not that simple it's not that contrasted but you have people who are extremely concerned, who are, um, who are very scared about getting this disease, which is like understandable. Um, but then you have people like that who are getting angry at employees and at businesses because they don't think they're taking the proper measures. Um, like I've already witnessed this, like I, there was a man just from the general public at the farmer's market the other day who was um, just yelling at this, lady working at this stand to the point where that like she broke down in tears because she felt she was being attacked by this guy and he was mad that it was because like not all the farmers were wearing masks um and wow. so that's one kind of camp of people and then you have the other camp who are like all right like we know that it's a risk but like we need to get on with life as normal you know like kind of the the people who think that we sh we just need to move on and face whatever consequences there are, but like to that the that continuing this quarantine might have worse impacts than not carrying it on, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So those are the kind of the like roughly the two camps of people. Obviously there's lots of people in between on either side of that spectrum. Um but so as we reopen back and we see things reopening, I think you're gonna see the public in general, people from society kind of um enforcing the rules on each other more so than bylaw officers. Yeah, I, I do see that with um, like when you walk into a room and or space, there's people wearing masks and people don't wear masks. And, and it's a very confusing culture right now because there's a lot of misinformation going around, especially at the very beginning of all this. People didn't know like, should I wear a mask or should I do this? Like what, what, like having the mask on is to help others not yourself right because you yeah like from you know at the beginning you're like oh i have a mask on i should be fine but no it's more about you're the one helping people by wearing the mask so if everybody's yeah. wearing a mask everybody be helping each other so that's like okay um so <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know what's gonna happen in the future but yeah i guess you're completely right with people kind of being the social control with 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 that right they're demanding what should be right so there's like a morality kind of debate as well yeah. with, with with health and logic and rationality and but yeah. who knows who knows what's gonna happen i don't know how but you've seen it you've seen it in live you know, how human beings yeah. are behaving. So as a business person, as yourself, and you're seeing it, I, <laughs> you know, I don't know, man. It's interesting. I Well, I think, I think people, first of all, people need to remember to be kind to each other and that it's okay to have different perspectives and we need to be able to debate our ideas freely. And, um, you know, I have no problem putting on a mask to go into a store if that's what um, they're requiring in order to feel safe. Um, mm -hmm. And so 
it needs to be about consent, you know, like it, if I'm okay, people coming into my shop without a mask on and, and if I'm the only person there, then that, that should be fine. If I think it should come down to like people's comfort levels more so than just making things across the board. Yeah. And I think, Um, I think the reason why there's kind of a little bit more of, um, how would you say there's more of a kind of not a panic, but more of there's a sternness from citizens. There's a sternness of, Hey, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing that. Because again, with this whole virus thing, nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows how, like nobody knows what, what's got, what, what it really can do. You know, they're still figuring out what it is, what it, what it can do. They're researching everything about it. And we're just kind of in the midst of all this, but man, as we're recording this, this is, this is going to be history. This is something that we can yeah. go back and be like, whoa, look at where we are in. Look, look at our society. Ro- the royals, I would say, in this pandemic would be like, yeah, the delivery, the delivery uh, business. Yeah, the delivery business and the grocery chains are yeah. probably the big winners. And, it's, and ironically, because we're having this conversation on Zoom, Zoom as well has been a huge winner. <laughs> exactly. Zoom is booming. <laughs> Zoom yeah. through all this. Um, I never even heard of Zoom before all this. <laughs> that is true. I've never actually like. It's funny how we're just okay. Let's go on Zoom as if we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no one stops to think about. Wait, wait, wait a second. I never <laughs> Zoom before. All I use is WhatsApp. I you know Instagram, IG, or uh, Facebook yeah. Messenger, whatever. But like Zoom, Zoom sounds very business like. Yeah, it does. Um. Yeah, that's very true. And then Google Meets, another one where you can go on and do, uh, you know, chat and all that. That was, that was, you have to go and pay for it. There was like a whole thing you have to pay for, but now they made it free. So everything's changing. Yeah. And I I mean, so like the thing is technology is changing so fast now. And this has forced a speeding up of our adaptation of like new technologies and that pretty much i don't think anyone can keep up like i think we're all struggling to keep up with how fast things are changing and to a certain degree i don't think anyone really knows what's happening <laughs> yeah exactly going back to like nobody knows what's happening with this thing yeah and it's weird because like things are happening so fast in front of us we can't really control it exactly and, yeah and like you I don't exactly know how old you are, but like, you know, I'm, I'm 29 and, you know, our, in our generations, we've seen the evolution of the internet go from being obviously like dial up internet to us. Like my first uses of the internet was like chatting on MSN with my friends from school. Mm-hmm. And then now we've, we've just seen it take off to the point where it's in smartphones and we're constantly linked and now to the point where, you know, education, even for children is going to be, we're not probably going to move backwards from this, like education for children is going to be large. There's going to be a huge online component from now on, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So it'll be interesting to see the impacts and, but like, like you said, I, I don't think we, we can go back really. Like we're, it, no one's controlling this, how fast this technology is being unrolled. It's just kind of, um, it seems like an inevitable march, sort of. Yeah, like you just, 
It's like this assembly line. It just keeps on going straight, keeps on going yeah. forward. You can't and it keeps get on off speeding up. Yeah, and it's speeding up really quick. Yeah, yeah, depending on what is happening, it's speeding up. Or depending on how, like, you go about life. Like, should I just go on this, you know, mm-hmm. on this train? Or should I just kind yeah. of step back and just kind of do another thing, right? But um, it's definitely very competing and a lot of unknowns social media is definitely that's you know mark zuckerberg and well wild yeah he's he's i don't know how like he he made facebook just to have everybody talk to each other and like i don't know tap into like the mind of like what is this person doing is this person single la 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 la. but yeah now he's in the midst of like social reform on how we communicate with each other <laughs> it's it's he's in the midst of such big things um so can people get uh, coffee from you guys like like uh, people can come by our roastery in, okay. in gatineau and like pick, pick it up but but most of the time like we we either de- deliver to people directly online mm-hmm. um so we you know we also do a lot of local deliveries okay so you have you, you guys have your own couriers and everything well, it's mostly me or my stepdad doing the deliveries. Oh, okay. We're the, we're the couriers. You're the couriers. So did you, I should have asked you this in the beginning, but did you, like, you, you're the one who started this, right? Was this yeah. you that started this? Okay. Yeah, it was me who started it. Wow. So how did you even, what, how did that happen? How did you even Okay, start? yeah, good question. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> how does one end up here? Okay, well, yeah. it, honestly, it all started when I, when I was 14 years old. And my mom decided to go to the Ecuadorian Amazon and volunteer as a nurse for a summer. And there was a, there was a hospital there in the like jungle that was requesting help from nurses. And so I went along with her and I loved the experience so much, just like to go from living in suburban Ottawa uh, to go for a summer to living like in the jungle in Ecuador was, was an incredible experience. And like the, I loved the people and I loved the environment and, and the food and everything. So that was kind of what, and then we, we traveled along uh, around together and my dad came down, we traveled around Ecuador together afterwards. So that left a mark on me. Like I really loved that country uh, and I wanted to go back. And so in, when I went to university, I saw an ad at my university that said like spend a year abroad in Ecuador and get like, your normal credits for, for university. And so I decided to do it. It was an international development minor. So you would go there and we spent the first half of the year taking classes in a university in Quito, the capital of Ecuador. And it was there that I made contacts with um, one of my professors who was, she was making delicious coffee for us every morning before the classes. You know, if anyone wanted a cup of coffee, and she, she would she would make them one before the class, and so I was like, "This is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. Like, where where did you get this coffee?" And she told me all about this community where it was from, which also turned out to be kind of a infamous um, community because they had successfully resisted against a Canadian mining company. This oh. like uh, this Canadian mining company called Ascendant Copper had basically tried to force its way into the community to, to um, create a big like open pit mine 
but the community was not sold on the idea. Like they, they, they had concerns like based on the environment. Uh, they have a very pristine environment in this area, which is called Integ, which is like essentially, a, it's, a, it's a series of mountain valleys on the western slopes of the Andes in northern Ecuador. Um, and so the community had tried to block this Canadian mining company from entering. And the Canadian mining company hired a paramilitary group made up of like ex-soldiers and kind of, you know, questionable characters. And they tried to force their way in, but the, the villagers of the community actually ended up like successfully resisting this company and their paramilitary groups and blocking the project. And so I heard all about this while I was drinking their coffee, living in Quito. And I decided like, that's where I wanted to do my, my placement. Cause we got to do like a, a placement in the second half of the year where we went and lived in a community and learned about like community development and like, economic models that could improve people's lives. And after living in the community for, for a few months, and I, I was working with the coffee cooperative, I was learning about how to create fertilizers, like organic fertilizers for the coffee, and how to plant coffee, how to harvest, and how to a bit, a little bit about how to market the coffee, like their website and everything. So I, I was learning about all that. And then I wrote my thesis at the end of the year on basically why coffee is a good economic alternative to mining for that region. And at the end of that, like my professor kind of challenged me. She was like, okay, well, if this is a good idea, like maybe you should, maybe you should do it. You know, maybe you should start a coffee business, import their coffee to Canada. And that kind of was the, the idea that, that sparked the idea, which, I started bringing in like small amounts of coffee from Ecuador, just in my suitcase and stuff. And everyone, like all my friends and family loved it and were encouraging of the idea. So basically it just, it just grew from there. And we've basically doubled the amount of coffee we import every time until we finally got to a shipping container last year. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty crazy chain of events that, that led to it happening. I think that's an amazing story. I think that's awesome. It's a good story. Yeah. It's sometimes I, I have to pinch myself to like remember it's all real. But yeah, because it you just went for it. Like you just took the you took you took the lead, eh? And you you took a chance. Yeah. And you know what? I think at the end of the day, what what has made it all possible is the fact that these really are magic beans. Like it's it's just really good coffee. And so people respond well to it. So, wow. So you were definitely inspired for sure. So it came from somewhere like, you know, good. Like you were wanted, like you love the region. You love, like, I'm sure you love the culture too and the food and everything. And, you know, I think that that's really good. I see on your website too that, um, that uh, you guys, because you did tell me that, you know, when you're doing this thing, you want to have a good relation ship with the people and the locals right because you yeah. said that they were defending their like i guess would you say territory from people from other people uh, yeah they're they're trying to defend their environment from basically international mining corporations like you know it's i've done a lot of research about this which like i, I could share with you um i could go more in depth but like basically mining is not a good 
um, business model for that area because it's such a pristine biodiverse area that the, the environmental impact is not worth the benefit that you would get from it. Right. Um, so that's, that's a bit about, we're trying to do our small part to help them be able to continue because like, we have to be honest, like if, if not mining, then what is going to help these people make money to elevate them out of poverty basically. So, yeah. So, so these people were just mining without like, did they, and it's funny cause I did see, I see here in your website, it's like, nobody talks about this cause I didn't even know about that. Yeah. Um, you know, that's crazy. Well, that that's where it gets to a, a larger issue, which is that um, Canadian mining companies are actually some of the biggest mining companies in the world. Like over half of the world's mining companies are based in Canada. Mm. Um, so we have this disproportionately large impact. And when you actually break down, like, what does that mean? It means that you have these companies that are investing in creating division and, and problems in, in these rural areas of, of developing country. Um, I, I don't, I'm not trying to say that it's always wrong or it's always bad because obviously we need minerals to, to make things like we do all drive cars and listen to stereos and stuff that involve minerals. Mm-hmm. But that, that a lot of these projects are created just to create wealth for the investors right. and not necessarily to fulfill real needs that we have. I think the best example is gold mining because gold mining, there's a huge environmental impact. Like they use all kinds of chemicals to separate the gold from the soil, like including cyanide and other chemicals. And then something like 80% of the gold is used just to turn into gold bars or to turn into jewelry so that rich people can have gold bars and jewelry. It's not like there's a, real practical use like we need that for medical equipment or something hmm. so i th- i think it it remains um something that i think needs more attention from canadians at large is how the investments that people make here are impacting other places around the world yeah because you found that out by just being there right yeah and, and you were and who was telling you this story? Was it the, the obviously the locals, or it was somebody who knew the land really, really well? Yeah, well, I, I had the opportunity and the pleasure to stay with a family that had been like directly involved in the struggle. And they, they call themselves ecologistas, so like ecologists. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, there's obviously the mining, it kind of divided people into two camps. Because some people do want the mining because they think it will bring enough jobs and money that it's worth it. And then other people in the region would prefer to protect the environment and, and have other livelihoods like agriculture and coffee farming and ecotourism to, to, as an alternative to mining. Wow. So do you think um, the best business model to extort things from other countries is to have the best and ethical ethical and rational approach to uh, these projects and these businesses to, you know, help 
build relationships. I do. I do. I think, I think that, okay, so it, there's this saying, it's like solidarity, not charity. Mm. So there's this weird thing that happens in the, the wealthier countries. Like I, you guess you could refer to them as the Western countries um, where with one hand, we're making economic transactions with the poorer countries and we're often paying very little for the things that they're exporting, whether it be like agricultural products like bananas or avocados or maybe flowers, like the flower industry is huge in Ecuador. So we're paying next to nothing for these products. And then on the other side, people are feeling bad and sending charity, maybe through the Red Cross or through something else. But like another way of thinking about it is like, what if, and I'm not saying that charity is bad, but what if we just paid fairly for the things that we were buying? Like if we had, if people were more conscious of the fact of what a farmer should get paid for a coffee or for a banana, for bananas or, or anything, um, then you wouldn't really have the need for the charity. Mm-hmm. So I think if we, if we thought of more of the products that we do receive from poorer countries and we thought more about trying to make sure that they were ethically sourced, whether it be chocolate, coffee, sugar, any of these things that, that we love that we don't grow here, that we should just like try and make those supply chains, I would say as human as possible, like treat everyone along the chain like a human who has hopes and dreams and wants a good life, mm-hmm. including the poor farmer who's harvesting it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I think in a way that's why we, you know, as human beings, let's work together, let's benefit from each other. Like we've been doing this for how long? Thousands and thousands of years doing trades through different, you know, uh, avenues and, you know, but now this is, this is where we are right now in 2020. I think with all the stuff that we all know, we should take in consideration, right? Like with the environment and, you know, having good working relationships, business relationships, and also human relationships. It's, it all works well because everybody's happy in a way. Like if you're, if you're doing this business with someone and they're the ones who are creating it in their fields or whatever, having that great opportunity and relationship is going to help for everyone involved in the business, right? If you have good working relationships, that absolutely, yeah. And 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 what's more, it'll, it'll, like yeah, like you said, it'll benefit everyone because also the end consumer will like legitimately feel better knowing that mm-hmm. that there was a fair trade. It was a fair trade, exactly. Um, and then, but you know what? That just this conversation reminds me of 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 this. I was reading this article recently about you know, how coffee really came to be such a big thing in the world. Um, and it is totally intertwined with, um, with imperialism and colonialism yeah. as well. Um, so like, a lot of people don't know this, but all of the coffee that, that we drink now is, is mostly descended from, from this one plant of, that was stolen by the French and planted in the in the, the king's garden in France, and so the deal was that like before that, it was actually like the Arabs um, that controlled the coffee trade entirely. Like the Europeans didn't have any coffee plants, so for a long time it was the Arab traders that were the ones who were they had they had essentially like a monopoly on on coffee, and 
So once the French sm managed to smuggle this plant back to France, they then made clones of it and planted it in all of the French colonies. And, you know, there was tons of French colonies in, uh, in the, the New World, so to speak, like in uh, the Caribbean. And, and then they were then trading with the, the Spanish colonies. So they, they gave the coffee plants to Spanish colonies like Brazil and, uh, and all, all across South America. And so the way that the coffee industry started was through colonialism. And it was through largely also using a lot of slave labor. So like, it's like now people are waking up to the fact of, of how unfair it's been, or like, I'd say the waking up, it happened sort of in like the nineties, the early two thousands, people should be aware by now. Um, mm -hmm. And then what we can do is try and change that by changing the models that we, that we use. So for example, like, I'm not trying to like toot our own horn too much, but like, we're an example of like, we're a small business here who's working directly with a farmer's cooperative and we're paying a, a set price every year, no matter like, let's say the coffee market on wall street collapses and like people are paying like less than a dollar per pound for coffee. We're not going to do that. We're going to keep paying the set amount that we've been paying because we recognize that like for the farmers, they need a stable source of revenue that they can count on. Right. So it's like changing the, the models of how we, of how we source coffee is, is a good place to start the conversation also about kind of not per, not perpetuating this, the models that were set in place by colonialism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trying to destroy that, that horrible history and tradition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing it the, the best way. Yeah. That's uh, it's good to have that knowledge, right? It's good to do that when you're doing those types of businesses with people to keep in mind. And <clears throat> it's good that you knew the history a little bit when you were there and you knew what, what their, how they felt their sensitivity towards, people extracting or trying to come into their land and do some kind of business or whatever, trans, some kind of transaction or extraction, you know, you were very keen to hear their sensitivity on it, which I believe allowed you to, you know, be more understanding and empathetic to, towards that. Yeah, that for sure. I mean, yeah. I, part of this was kind of like, this was my small way of trying to put some of my, ideas and philosophies like in a concrete action mm -hmm. um because as we all know like in this world like uh it's hard to know like you know we we all might want what's good we want to fight for what's good but we don't necessarily know where to start yeah and so it's good i don't know people people can just like literally start on like one project and i'm not you know i'm not claiming that i'm that i'm doing anything um, like heroic or anything, but just like starting one project and seeing it through, uh, I think it has positive impacts, not only for yourself, but also like in the world and you're going to have more of an impact. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about businesses too, especially small businesses. It's um, people love small businesses better because um, it's more heartfelt. There's more struggle 
Yeah. They're part of the people. They're part of the community. They know the community. They know the people who come in. They have a better connection than, you know, Tim Hortons or Burger King or all that big franchises, right? So um, definitely, definitely, definitely. And sometimes you yeah. do get those big businesses that tend to be really good at that uh, connectivity and that understanding of, of the, you know, humanity. Yeah. Uh, sometimes and and also i th- i think people love small businesses because they love to they love to see someone living their dream mm. to like to have a dream and then achieve it and then actually sustain it yes um that's like it's it's yeah people love that it's a lot of optimism it's a lot of yeah yeah most definitely i i definitely agree with that because i think <clears throat> a lot of people think businesses can be very greedy and corporate but if you have a really good business model it stems from the top right so you have a vision you know what you want to do you know why you're doing it and you know what the outcome can be right so there's all that intact and if you have a good head on your shoulders and you're grounded and i think that can lead to much more of a an extended uh venture for a business to be that all-round person who sees uh those different uh, perspectives right so i think i definitely see that with you and uh, when i first met you i kind of felt like oh this guy seems like he's pretty solid right and um i was like oh that's 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 chill that's chill um i didn't i didn't think I think you did tell me about that story. You going to Ecuador and everything with that. Like just hearing it again is like, whoa, um, that's, I think that's a really cool, cool story and something that you can always carry around with. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I like the fact that like the story is still being written, you know, like mm-hmm. where we go from here, it, like no one really knows, but it, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of possibility. Um, I would love to like deepen my connection with this community in a variety of ways mm-hmm. like i i would ultimately love to also like show people this this region of ecuador like i have people who are like yo like can i like come with you next time you go and i'm like absolutely like <laughs> maybe i should just start like just bringing people with me down there because it, it's it's a beautiful place and i think anybody would love it yeah i think um if you guys had like I, I don't know if you guys are working on it, but like if you guys had your own space, like a like mm-hmm. small space, you guys can definitely showcase the culture of Ecuador in a respectable way. Right. Like, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Like there's so many ways you could do these things in a very, really cool and, you know, humanistic way. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see you doing that. I was like, where, where are you located? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Remember when I asked you, like, I was thinking, oh, you, is there a shop? Like, no, no, I'm just. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of people ask me, where are you located? I'm like, I'm located right here, right now. <laughs> yeah, where are you? Where are you located? Yeah, right here, right now. But some, sometimes, uh, yeah, but usually, so you're saying you're going to be at the Byward Market though, right? So, no, sorry. We're going to be at the Parkdale Market. Parkdale's. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to be at Parkdale Market every Saturday. Okay. And we're also going to be doing a pop-up at the talk a lot in Hintonburg Ooh. on a regular basis. Mm. So we, we just do a little pop-up. We have our espresso machine. 
mm-hmm. we pull shots for people. Uh, it's been great, actually. Like a lot of people have been very encouraging about that. It's, I think people like seeing something entrepreneurial, like someone with a bike cart selling coffee on the side of the road. It's, yeah. I yeah. would love to come and help out one of these days. I oh, well, love- absolutely. Like, um, yeah. yeah, we'll come out like any Saturday. Yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah, I, I would love to do that because I, I miss that, man. I miss yeah. getting coffee and pouring into a cup. Yeah. I don't know because it felt good because people are like, oh, you know, they're so thankful that you're yes. doing coffee and they're like, you're putting a smile on their faces, right? So, no, I'm, I, yeah, I, I wasn't joking about like, it's a very positive thing to be able to give people their morning coffee. Like, they, they love you for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thankfulness. That's- yeah i i'm i'm impressed by your website too by the way I, oh thank you yeah i yeah. Did, uh i mean i went on it this i went on it a long time ago but i went on it this morning and i was looking at it I was like, oh that's pretty pretty well attacked. i thought it was like a, a group of team of people like you know and <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah. said just you and your like, you know what like uh, it's not it's not necessarily a team of people but i've had i have had help from many good friends and my family so it's like I can't claim to have done it alone either. So. Right. Of course. Of course. There's been a, there's been a team of good people for sure. Yeah. So it's more like a family business. Yeah. Or, yeah. And then like friends and whoever. Like my, my brother, my mom, my stepsister, my stepdad have all helped me out countless yeah. times. Like. Damn, that's nice, man. That is really yeah. nice. That comes through, right? When that positivity and support it comes through the business, it comes through in trans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That is amazing. I like that. That's awesome energy right there, for sure. And yeah, I'm so very grateful to have that. You're grateful to have that? Yeah. Yeah. So are you guys are, um, with all this is happening, the future is what with you guys, in a way, besides you guys? Yeah, out? so we, we are planning to grow. So mm-hmm. we are... We're doubling down on our coffee import this year. We're importing another full shipping container. So the, the, our one goal is to just grow in the continue sustained way by helping to move as much of this coffee as possible. So what will that look like? That's going to be us um, reaching out to more independent businesses uh, to carry our, our bags of coffee as we grow the amount of customers around the city who like to brew our coffee at home. Uh, it's going to look like us doing more pop-ups and more events. We're going to also be looking at, like you alluded to earlier, like having our own space. Um, that's going to be something we'll probably look into for the fall. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. It's, it's going to be interesting. In a way, having no space at the moment is actually quite blessing because absolutely, well, yeah, with the pandemic and everything. So I mean, yeah. right now you guys are like in a perfect spot in a sense, in a sense, in a sense. Because, like, by not having a space, yes, yeah. it's amazing because we're not paying those big commercial rents. Exactly. But, like, like right. you said, though, but, like, people don't really know where to find us. Exactly. So. And you guys you guys are definitely connected through social media, right? That's how people will know about yes. you more. We, yeah, we have a presence on social media. Right. Um, I'll make sure I put that uh, uh, at address onto the description of this podcast yeah. for sure and i will i will be sure to hopefully share this with with our followers too yeah yeah that's definitely. gonna be so what what you guys have grown then over the years right like just since oh, yeah. you started you you've yeah. obviously been you've 
gain a big impact. So I think the the biggest illustration of that is the first coffee roaster I started roasting on mm-hmm. was a modified chicken rotisserie maker, <laughs> and it could only roast like two pounds of coffee at a time. That's cool. And I used to spend just like hours just on my balcony roasting coffee. <laughs> wow. And then, uh, cool. A couple of years ago, I I I upgraded to a fourteen pound roaster. Wow. So that was a huge jump in productivity. Um, and then, of course, we went from importing like 300 pounds a year of coffee to importing 2,000 pounds of time uh, a year of coffee. Wow. Okay. So there's, yeah, there's real growth. Yeah. Which is excellent. So since I saw you the last time, obviously, there's been, been growth for sure then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. That's good. But, you oh. know, um, we, we got to continue to grow because... Yeah. Um, in, in in business, I mean, until you reach kind of the sweet spot, the aim is to grow. It kind of has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Not that, like, I, there's a very good book, like, if you're interested in different philosophies around business, um, it's called Small is Beautiful. And that's also the idea that, like, a business doesn't necessarily have to grow indefinitely. Like, if you, if, if we reach a point where things are comfortable, we're helping the farmers as much as we need to by selling enough of their coffee a year. And we're offering a few people good livelihoods. Then I think once we reach that point, we're, we're, we're going to be good. We don't need to grow more than that. Like we're not looking to become a international uh, chain or something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. but I recommend checking out that book. Um, Small is beautiful. Small is beautiful. All right. Yeah. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Well, I'll let you, I'll let you be. And um, I want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for accepting my invite. And uh, I'm happy that I got to speak to you and to learn more about uh, your business and mo- learn about more about you too, as well. And uh, Thanks, man. And I appreciate you having me on. And I look forward to seeing you in real person soon. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. In real life. Yeah, in real life. <laughs> Not Zoom. Not Zoom. <laughs> All right. All right. Take Thanks, it easy. Man. Have a good day. You too.